0: I'm here with Curtis Valentine, board member of the Upper Marble uh, School District in Maryland, and we are at uh, the conference at NSBA, the CUBE conference in Atlanta. And this is a great conference today, and there are, you might tell us a little something about your district, kind of the size,
1: the scale. Well, great to be with you, here with yeah. you, Dennis. Um, I am from the Prince George's County Board of Education and Prince George's County, Maryland. We are the 20th largest school district in America. Um, We're in a suburb of Washington, D.C. And we have about 140,000 students, 210 schools, uh, (laughs) and our district is actually the same size as Delaware. To put that in context. (laughs) So I take it you're the largest employer? Uh, we are. So we're large employer, second, uh, first. Number two is University of Maryland College Park. So education is very much through uh, our county. My
0: gosh, my gosh. Well, as everybody knows, the role of teachers is vital in education for students. And trying to get the right diversity of teachers count and who they represent is is most vital. So how do you approach that when they're today a shortage of teachers, certainly in certain subject areas, math and sciences? What kind of programs do you have
1: in place? Well, I come for this very personal to me. So I am the only member of my board who actually taught in my school district. And so uh, when I finished my undergraduate degree, I went off to Peace Corps and served in South Africa as an educator. And when I came back, I wanted to become a school teacher, continue the work I had done overseas. And when I was hired to become a school teacher, um, I did not have a lot of training, but I think I had a, definitely a heart for it. Uh-huh. And at the time, I was the only African American male teacher in my, in my building, uh, in a space where you had half the student body were, were young black boys. Uh-huh. And so the, for me, it's always an idea of the power of students seeing themselves in the educators, but also mm-hmm. the educators bringing their personal experience mm-hmm. to the curriculum and identifying personally with the students. Mm-hmm. And so in a time now where you have uh, a shortage right. uh, in some places, uh, where you're looking for a level of quality educator, I think it's important that we find and create community mm-hmm. amongst teachers. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why people leave the profession is like a support. You think money was number one, but oftentimes, really? did I have a support system, whether it be my school leaders, fellow educators, parents, did I feel supported? Mm-hmm. And so in my district, I started something called the Male Educator Network. Huh. M-E-N, acronym uh-huh. kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue pretty, pretty carefully, but what we've done is, our goal is to recruit and retain more male educators in my district. Uh And over the course of seven years, I'm happy to say that my school district has the highest percentage of male educators in the entire DC metro area, and the highest percentage of male educators of color. Uh And we we did that through, uh, one, again, forming communities and opportunities for men to talk about the education fields, Uh what's working, what's not working, to give workshops on certain skills like advocacy, um, like interviewing for jobs, mm-hmm. um, and like uh, partnering with communities, uh, um, organizations, mm-hmm. and lastly, we celebrate them. You know, people get an education. they say, right. "Curtis, I didn't get it into the money, in, in, in it for the money. I don't get into it for the awards." But damn it, it still feels good to be recognized. Right, right. Um, and in case this is a thankless job, like if you do well, you're supposed oh, yeah. to do it. <laughs> you didn't do well, they're coming for your head. Yeah. And so every year we did something called the Male Educating Network Awards, huh. and we gave one award to 200 men every year. Wow. And we had that award ceremony, and their students came, and their kids came. Wow. And they made signs, thank you, Dad, balloons. Wow. And again, these guys said, you know, I've I've never got a thank you. no one ever said good job it's always you're supposed to do it right it's by celebrating recognizing folks giving them the skills connecting with them the male education network has been incredibly successful very personal to me because i'm an educator Uh myself i also teach at the university of maryland college park i go into the classroom i understand what that means but i think teacher diversity in many ways is the future of education we need to prioritize that so how do you where do
0: you go to attract you know you don't go to linkedin (laughs) <laughs> where do you reach out and attract? Do you pull people out of business? Do you catch
1: them out of college? Well, we've been able to create a couple pipelines. So my school district has a program with a local community college uh-huh. where our high school students actually are located on the campus of the community college. I see. And one of the tracks where they will actually graduate with an associate's and a high school diploma in the same day, on graduation day, one of those associate degrees can be in education. Uh, we also have folks who are who've come into our school district as paraprofessionals, as long-term subs, Uh folks who have changed careers. Being in the D.C. area we're so close to, um, folks who are in military, folks who work for the federal government, retirees who've done careers in science and marketing and engineering. And we're saying, come to our district and have a second career. And Mm so, I don't think our issue is recruitment, it's retention. If we retained every every female educator we recruited, we wouldn't have to do these programs. But trying to keep them is the hard part. And those celebrations, those forums, and those trainings are a way to keep them. Do you have... uh Videos on some of these celebrations, the award ceremonies and so on? We have photographs, we have videos, we bring in NBC newscasters, the <laughs> MCM, um, and we we talk about these things because we want that to be the news story. Uh-huh. We want we want celebrations of men and fathers at the forefront. There's so many negative stigmas around particularly fathers of color, men of color. If we can normalize seeing positive images of men with young children, it's a powerful statement and a powerful recruitment tool. Yeah, so where where do these uh, uh, new hires
0: come in? Do they come in primarily at elementary school, Kinder- kindergarten? I have a, good, a wife who's a kindergarten teacher, so that's not a place that I would want to go.
1: Or do they come in more at the high school level? Where do you bring that, them in? That's a, that's, a good, that's a good question. Oftentimes, you'll, 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 you'll get a wide swap. We do have a shortage, particularly in the, in the younger grades, the yeah. early childhood. Yeah. In some instances, you have parents, and this is something I think is not the teacher's problem, but a societal problem, mm-hmm. that having men teaching in the early ages is a problem. You know, Why is this big man teaching, my, teaching kindergarten? Why is he on the floor with the kids? And that's something again a stigma that society has on young on, on men, right. particularly men of color, teaching the younger grade. Mm-hmm. Teach high school, coach football, sure I can, I can deal with sure. that. Sure. When you're talking first, second grade, that's a little a bridge too far. Right. And so we that's on us okay. to say we want young people because I don't think I was always my, my I come from a family, my mother and father owned uh, uh, pre preschools all throughout New Jersey where ah. I lived. And I would go to the school And I would be around four, five, and six-year-old kids. And I'd be on the floor rolling around with them. (laughs) I I just love being around young people. To the point where my mom said, Curtis, you can't come around because you you call you rile them up, then you leave. Your immunity must be strong." Yeah, no, but they leave, and then you can't. we can't calm them down. They won't sit down uh, yeah. for the lesson after that. Yeah. And so the thing was, I I think I'm I'm an early childhood educator in at my yeah. heart. If I'm a, if I'm a young cousin who's five or six, if he or she responds to me, I'll play with them until the time because that's the age where we've we haven't stolen their imagination. Right, right. We haven't we haven't stolen that sense of freedom that when you get to my age or your age, they're formative. Yeah, but I mean, if you could keep that, yeah. uh, and so I love that time. But we need to do a better job of recruiting uh, men at that at that phase, particularly in early childhood. So it's easy to understand how a young boy having a mentor, someone
0: like them. Uh, as a male uh, but how, how do the uh, young
1: girls how, do, how does this impact them so it's going you say that so oftentimes we talk about diversity equity and inclusion right people assume that those who only benefit are the are the students who look like the teacher you're trying to put in front of them right right but studies show that all students, so it benefits even young white students to have a latino a native american Mm -hmm. asian Mm -hmm. a black educator especially when you're teaching subjects that are directly impacted by them i was talking to one of my colleagues earlier about them really prioritizing native american educators Mm i said you know i never had a native american educator how would my life have been fulfilled how would the topics? that I'm studying in school been been different if I can have someone who had a personal experience. Right. um, And so it's important that we look at all students. I believe when I was teaching, um, that even my, uh, my young, young young lady students also benefited because they had a different perspective sure. for other men in their lives and some of them were not so positive. And so I, I have to tell them, you're in a safe space. I'm not here to harm you. Right. And in some cases, there was some friction because every man who'd have been in their life was not positive. Right. And so I'll say everybody wins when you have future right. diversity. Interesting outstanding program did Um, did you conceptualize that um, along with the reigning teacher of the year in the district albert lewis who was the teacher of the year a young african-american teacher um, i'm happy to say that we've actually been able to not only do it in my district but take it national and we started something called Real Men Teach. So if folks go to realmenteach.com, you can learn about how these programs can be implemented throughout the country and for us to create opportunities to recruit and retain more educators of color. And so many many of PDCPS, which is still there, um, and Real Men Teach is sort of the uh, the next phase of that. Well, certainly this wasn't your message, but the
0: ability to conceptualize and then implement and then manage that is certainly something that
1: uh, hopefully everybody observe Yeah, I'm so proud of, the, of, of how we stepped up at the district. Uh, right now we have a push towards recruiting particularly um, Latino male educators. Uh-huh. Our district is a rising Latino population. We have to have teachers reflecting our students. So you must by now have uh, created a whole recruitment class
0: that are going out and recruiting more men because when they talk positively about that,
1: others will hear. As you know, word of mouth is the best advertiser. Uh, And that's why we we prioritize giving people voice and platforms to tell their stories. Okay. Well, let's
0: move on. You had mentioned before we sat down about the fatherhood forum. What is the fatherhood
1: forum? What's its mission? And how do you measure results? So, again, very personal to me, when I joined the school board, again, uh, eight years ago, there were no parents of current students on the school board. Huh. How many board members? At the time, uh, there were nine. Nine, yeah. And that yeah. one had a child in the school district. <laughs> and so when I was, uh, when I the board, uh, I was the only, <laughs> and throughout my time, I've been one of the only. And so being a parent representative is incredibly important. But also, times, you think about fathers in schools, you know, when you go to a PTA meeting, you don't see that many fathers there. But studies show when you have an engaged father, test scores don't go up, yeah. disciplinary issues go down. Yeah. All the issues around uh, for both boys and girls are improved. Uh, And so I said, how can we create an environment where, similar to our male educator network, we are celebrating fathers. We are giving them training and we are putting together conversations where they can talk to one another about what it means to be a father mm-hmm. in 2020, 2021. Right, you right, know, right. Um, my father fathered me in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> different and, time. Different time, <laughs> and I'm fathering now. And I, unfortunately, he's passed away. But if I talked to him, he probably wouldn't be able to give me a full understanding of how to parent in a social media age, with cyber bullying, yeah. and other things. And so how do, we, how do we communicate and create a brotherhood amongst fathers It's something that we've done and we've been able to increase parental engagement mm-hmm. in, in a lot of schools, mm-hmm. where fathers are more likely to go to PTA meetings, um, get involved in the school. We started something called the Fatherhood uh, Father Daughter Dance. We wow. brought fathers in to uh, to become part of um, the community by bringing their daughters in. We've had families whose you know father and mother were not together, and we had father we had a father who flew in from Chicago huh. to be with his daughter. He said. My daughter asked me, "Daddy, can you come to this dance? I want to come." I mean, I get goosebumps. He keeps to so Chicago. Important. So important. Bought his daughter a brand new dress. So important. It was, and so that's important because as fathers, we say, "I want to show you. I'm going to show you how to be treated." So when you do meet that guy, you right. know that you he knows to open the door for you because right. your father's been opening your door for you since you were five. Right. He knows to pull your chair out. And if you don't know, know what to expect, right. unfortunately, some young men are not going to give it to you. And right. so we we show them, we celebrate them, you know. Uh, and then they meet other young girls, they dress up. The mothers love it, even sometimes more than the fathers. Huh. Uh, but that's engagement, at least on that level. But it's the idea that if you have a father and a mother who is engaged, test scores will go up. Again, all the things that you want to go up, go up. Everything you want to go down goes down. And I think for many people, trying to get the silver bullet around political mm-hmm. e- engagement is not as easy as you think. It's not just sort of showing up, it's asking the right questions, it's knowing all the right uh, people to talk to, and we're still trying to get it right. You know, I think right. sure. you, even the issues that we're dealing with now as we're coming into a new school year, um, we want we want fathers to become part of the conversation as well because in many cases, having a mother and a father gives balance to conversations. You look oh, yeah. at my wife and I, we look at <laughs> problems very differently, um, and so. Uh, both of us together, the response is always different than when you get one of us. Yeah. And so I think it's always good to be able to celebrate that um, and it's a priority of ours, priority of mine as a school board member and personal because I'm a parent. Go to the spouse who has the answer that you're looking for, right? <laughs> that's what my kids do. My, my kids, you know, I'll, I'll ask mommy if I get my eyes. I learned that. That's sort of, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, as old as, uh, you know. Yeah, it has been as, around as, for a while. Yeah, it's
0: been a while for a while. Well, I don't have the data on this, but my understanding is there's a high percentage of single parent households. Yes, so there on are. your fatherhood program, can they stand in the shoes of those students or scholars that don't
1: have that father at home? So it's funny. So we we first started we called it Father Daughter Dance, mm-hmm. uh, and then we sort of changed it, we said Father slash Father Figure. So grandfather, uncle. Okay. Um, older brother who's older, you know, yeah. some my older brothers. And so we don't want to say, you know, if you don't have, if your father's not there, that you can't come. Right. Um, but who's that person in your life who's, again, setting a standard for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something that we, we abbreviated because we said there were folks who were bringing, again, uncles. Uh, pastors, someone who's that father figure in your life, because we want it to be about father involvement. doesn't I mean, for a lot of people who didn't have, you know, a biological father, they'll tell you it was a coach, mm-hmm. it was my barber, right? It was right. my pastor, It was always someone. Somebody. And even in some cases, this is, it, the data is also interesting. Simply having a father is not uh, sufficient. Right. Sometimes you have a father in a household, and you know he's he's not paying attention to anything. To have a father who's asking the right questions, mm-hmm. listens when you ask the question, and the mm-hmm. answers in uh, the answers you give, uh, and so it's, it's quality uh Qual- engagement as well. Quality time, quality, quality time. time. Well, education today has to take a whole
0: different approach from what it's done in the past. Just like businesses today, you know, they're really challenged with uh, the innovation of technology, with the global uh, market opening up. And the the most traditional businesses are having to reinvent themselves, and others are looking beyond that to really disrupting the traditional markets. And we know who all those are. You can see them happening. I, I would never have thought that would have happened. So the kinds of students they're looking for need to come from a different educational system. They have to have different skills, and uh, be more divergent in their, in their abilities. Mm-hmm. So how does, if, if the businesses are innovating themselves, what is education doing to have innovation in education?
1: I often tell people, uh, I finished college in 2000, actually attended Morehouse College right here in Atlanta. Yeah. I'll tell you this, Dennis, nearly every job I had since college I didn't know was a job. Not not only did I not know, Good you know for I, you. I know I know who did it, I did not know you could get paid to do the thing that Thank I get you. paid to do right now. <laughs> and so when we talk about education, not only are students going to be doing jobs they never heard of, they're gonna be doing jobs that haven't been created before. Yeah. That's and true. I think you think about, you know, I I talk to our superintendent all the time, I said, Well, we're in twenty twenty-one. We're building schools right now. My school, district, we just broke ground on building five or six schools. These are 30-year schools. Yeah. How are we going to be educating students in 2050? Yeah. In rows in classrooms, 30 <laughs> kids, in hour-long blocks, on one school <laughs> bus going in. Yeah. We just show that we can use virtual learning, maybe not every day, but students can do it. Uh-huh. We, we have students who are not Immigrants to, but natives to social media, use of phones, yeah. um, Oculus goggles, virtual reality. Yeah. I said, "What if we had? What if virtual reality was included in our schools, where you, you put on your goggles, you put yeah. on your goggles, on where yeah. you are across town? I put them on. I put on maybe some gloves, and now you and I are looking over, and I'm looking, you know, and we're having an educational experience yeah. in our homes, but yeah. it is as it is as virtual um, as, as as having any other experience." Yeah. And so we have to think about what we're doing now for our grandchildren. Someone asked, I was in a session earlier about identity and telling your story. I said, I am someone's ancestor, and we all have to walk in that space. Like my grandchildren mm-hmm. and great-grandchildren will tell stories about great-grandpa Curtis. Right. And how will they be learning? Will they all be with, with books under their arms, <laughs> you know, with a little strap around it, like a little, you know, a Little House on the Prairie? No. Everything's gonna be but in we there. We right there, right there, or in <laughs> their phone, or if they you didn't even have phones then. Or you know, you look think when I was in high school, you know, who knew about you know you could have a computer in your back pocket? But we have to innovate. Yeah. And innovation to me, by definition, is time. The idea that innovation allows us to do things that we used to do in a longer period of time in a shorter period of time. Uh-huh. So innovation in transportation is still getting you from California to New York. Yeah but it's in a shorter period of time. Yeah. We'll go from horse and buggies to jets. <laughs> oh, what's the, what's the big deal? How do you innovate it? It was just time, condensing time. So how do we connect people? How do we condense time? How do we create opportunities for, um, for people to learn basic skills that I think will be foundational in 2050, mm-hmm. which are communication, um, the, the understanding how you learn, which to me, I think the basic education is critical thinking, critical thinking, Creativity. but knowing how you learn, because every, I've, I've read, you know, tens of, tens of many books as I did before college. I've learned more after college than I did yep. before college. And you got paid to do it. You're probably to do it. <laughs> I'm more curious <laughs> about the world. I'm more, I'm more comfortable asking the right questions. Yeah. And so we have to prepare our students for 2050 right now. Uh huh. So the future-ready school is flexibility,
0: adaptability. Flexibility, adaptability, and connected. And and connected. And connected. Excellent. Outstanding conversation. So glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm with Curtis Valentine, Upper Marlboro, Maryland School District, and it's been outstanding. By the way, thanks for serving on the board. Thank you so much for having (laughs) me. I appreciate you. Take care. All right.